0: listening to episode 29 of Sam walking in the world in the future segment I'll refer to it as the 28th episode but thanks to the great production work of my boy milky he reminded me and I'm correcting that now so this is episode 29 hi everybody today is October 31st ooh 2020, you are listening to Sam Walking in the World, episode 28, the fastest growing podcast in all of the Top Terrace, and as always, these are the thoughts of a guy who used to be unhappy, just trying to live like he wants to be when he dies. Guten Tag, Ki ho Ra, Ni How, top of the morning, and a big fat hello to all my devoted listeners throughout four continents and both hemispheres. I am very grateful to all of you, and as always, I'm thrilled as ever to hear you listening to the sound of my voice. Now, before I get to anything else, I want to tell you that I have unlocked three new pairs of pants. What does that mean? It's the phenomenon where you are losing weight, and then you dig into the old pants that you used to wear, and were pretty sure you were never going to wear again. Some of them were my favorite pairs. I had to leave them by the wayside as I exploded in weight, size, poundage. But as I've told you before, I think last episode, I mentioned that I've lost now completely six pound, six, I'm sorry, inches off of my waist. Six inches. that's a lot. You can get two fists in there. Can almost fit both arms all the way down to the elbow. Not that I would ever need to. Well well, anyway. So I have three pairs of pants that used to be my favorite pairs, and they are now unlocked. I feel like it's a video game when you like unlock a new power. In a video game where you unlock a new sword or something like that. I never thought I would see them again, and they are great contributors to my wardrobe moving forward. And also great motivator. I don't want to lose them again. I want to keep them. Except maybe I do. Maybe I want to lose them in the sense that I will get thinner than they are and they will become too baggy. Although, for me, you know my history, too baggy is really not a thing. All right. Anyway, that is that. There's, of course, a ton of politics. We're three days away from the. 2020 election, and like all elections, it is the most important election in American history. Your life depends on it, as did every previous election before, if I'm not mistaken. All right, uh, but before I get to all that, in, in in politics, just so you know what's coming up, I want to talk about um, Alan Lickman is the man who predicted every winter, I'm ever, sorry, every winner of uh, every presidential election since 1976. His name is Alan Lickman. I'm going to tell you about what he picked and my feelings about it. Um, there's, um, there is a new segment I'm going to do today, and it's called the Breaking News for the Pathologically Uninformed. Current events for people who only listen to MSNBC or CNN, because there is probably a whole host of things you've literally never heard before. I'm just going to tell you a few of them and my feelings about them. Um, I'm going to talk about why we need the Electoral College. It always ends up becoming an issue when whoever wins the Electoral College does not win the popular vote. And everyone who is not civically educated goes nuts when it's their candidate that won the popular vote but lost the election. That's when they go crazy. When well, it's the other way around, they champion the Electoral College. Of course, you know I'm talking about Democrats. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution, which is about the appointment of Supreme Court justices, the appointment and confirmation of Supreme Court justices. There's probably a few facts, definitely the pathologically uninformed don't know, but I bet you might not either, even as an informed listener. Um, I am going to talk uh, along those lines, I'm going to talk about Amy Coney Barrett's official confirmation, Um, to the Supreme Court and where it was absolutely not covered. So those of you pathologically uninformed might not even know that Amy Coney Barrett first is a person and that she was nominated and confirmed to the United States Supreme Court. Because even while it was happening, a woman being confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States, do you think that it would have been championed as a feminist accomplishment on any of the liberal networks? No. In order for them to do that, they would have had to show it, acknowledge it, mention it, put it on their chiron in some way. They did none of that. I will talk more about that. And I have, of course, some stupid stuff. I will get right to the stupid stuff now, and then I will gather up my strength for my political segments. So, first, I covered that I unlocked three new pairs of pants. There's two more on the way, by the way. So, those of you that see me out and about... And actually look at the pants people are wearing, which I've found most people don't because I've been literally wearing the same pair of pants to school for almost a year and a half. Uh, but we wear uniforms at our school. And um, I have a, a, a quarter zip pullover that a lot of teachers wear. And it's very nice. And that tends to be my, my quote, uniform top. And then the pants kind of, I don't think anyone, well, maybe they do notice. And I'm just, I'm just fooling myself like a... Like an alcoholic who is sloppy all the time, but just because they're used to being sloppy, they think other people don't notice it. Anyway, first thing I want to talk about is the Capillus laser cap. Now, I know that many of my listeners probably watch the Fox News channel. So aside from being completely inundated by my pillow commercials, not only does Mike Lindell do a a my pillow commercial at every intermission of every show he also interrupts his own commercial so he can have another commercial inside the commercial. I find that kind of insulting. you cannot interrupt X with X. If you know what I mean but anyway I do like the guy and I read his book and his book is very powerful about how he was a, a crack addict. I think it's called from crack addict to CEO got one of those cool covers where depending on the angle you lean it at it's got a the face of a beaten down crackhead and then uh, um, a competent professional ceo like those old baseball cards used to do anyway the capillus laser cap you had to have seen this commercial it and, and most of the infomercials like this i just i i try to let myself go with it because I know the audience that they're trying to communicate to and they have to keep things as middle-of-the-road, mainstream, simple as they possibly can in order for people to just understand what the product is. So they always have that other guy. There's the person who's pitching the product, and then there's that other guy or woman. And the conversation that they have for our benefit is just ridiculous. Every time I hear it, I'm like, God, that guy must be either – incredibly stupid or he's been living under a rock and so it goes kind of like this the and the capillus laser cap for those of you who don't know is a baseball hat with a bunch of red lasers inside of it or they could just be lights for all i know but apparently somehow those lasers are are designed to create better hair growth in some way and like i said that sloppily but I don't know what it does with the pores. or it, uh, Oh, you know what it does? It takes the uh, the miniature hairs. I forget what they call them. And it, it allows them to become bigger. So that you have a fuller forest of hair. Anyway, I honestly don't know how, if any of these things really work. To me, it doesn't matter if I'm losing my hair. I'm just going to shave it tight anyway. Uh, I don't like hair. I don't like washing hair. I don't like combing hair, blow-drying hair, brushing hair. In fact, I get... Irritated when other people are blow drying their hair. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. So, the one person says, the, the clueless dude says, it looks just like a baseball cap. And the other person says, I know, I know, but it has all of these tiny lasers. And she flips the hat inside out so you can see the inside. You see all these little red lights. And what do those lasers do? The man asks. As though he's not on a commercial for a hair restoration product. And the woman, of course, says, they grow hair. And he goes, what? I've had trouble growing my hair. She says, well, then this is perfect for you. Then then they go on and on with their charade conversation. And I honestly wonder whether or not it works. It doesn't look like it fits very snugly on your hat. I mean, on your head. Uh... One of the people that they have demonstrating it, too, has a giant full head of hair. She so can't quite get the hat on all the way. I'm not sure if that's, uh, you know, the best idea. But anyway, one of the things I say in the commercial is how much science it has. Is it, it This product has so much science put into it. And I just I, I'm like okay I know it's a, your mainstream audience and I know that maybe their maybe their average you know intellect is not you know is average to below average maybe and um, but to to suggest that there is an amount of science that went into it I like, my first thought whenever I hear it is, well, how did you measure that it's not what kind of science. It's not the qualifications of the scientists, it's the amount of science. So much science has gone into this. A lot of science. <laughs> how much? How are you measuring it? I was amazed when I learned how much science went into the Capillus laser hat. What is it what like what it like cyoliters? Cyograms. Cyovolts. Honestly, if you know how to measure science, then please call into the show and enlighten me. But that is that. And as I promised, that was stupid. Now, um, I just want to say this quickly. I'm not sure how much more I have to say about it. But it is a very weird feeling. The moment that you're woken up by somebody because you were snoring in public. It's weird. The very moment someone wakes you up because you're sleeping in public, like at a meeting, or a church, or maybe on a bench in the mall. um, And uh, you feel like you have to explain what got you that tired. I do. But yeah, I was snoring at a meeting. Not, I, I guess not, I, I don't know, loud enough for, for someone next to me to smack the bench so that it startled me and woke me up. And, and you know immediately that the entire focus of the room is on you because someone felt the need to do that. It must have permeated the room you're snoring. And then someone slaps the bench next to you. You suddenly wake up. You know you're the center of attention. And you feel like you have to explain why you got tired to justify your falling asleep in public. I was uh I just I, I got up really early to work out and then um, I just was up and at it all day. I, I didn't really get a big lunch and uh, and then I worked out again after school and I had to walk the dog and uh, oh god, I just am so tired. It's a good day though. It was a good day. I wasn't like taking drugs all day, that's not why I'm tired. <laughs> Everyone just looked at you like you're an idiot. And you can't explain it away. You have to just say, I'm sorry. And then do your best to play whatever mental game you have to in order to continue to stay awake. Keep pinching yourself or smacking yourself with a rubber band or something. Which does work, by the way. All right, that's that. And again, that is stupid. Another stupid thing. Well, I don't know if it's stupid as much as it might be lifey. And that is the effect that windshield wipers have on your attitude when you're driving. Both when it's raining and particularly when it's sleeting. The sleeting is even worse. Snowing isn't that bad. Ice is a pain. But once it melts, um, if you have a good defroster. You're okay. But rain and sleet. And here's why I say that windshield wipers are uh, uh, have a great impact on your attitude. Is that when you get in the car and you start driving, you get everything the way you want it. You get the radio volume the way you want it on the channel that you want. You get the seat adjusted so that it's comfortable. The steering wheel tilt, get the way you want it. You get your seatbelt just right. You get the heat at the right level. But the windshield wipers are something that you can never just leave alone. If you live in the Northeast, in, in, you know, really anywhere, I guess, if it's raining, because you're always moving at different speeds. So you set the windshield wiper speed at what you think is appropriate. You're really just guessing at the beginning. And then you start driving. And then you notice that there's this backup of water that you can't really see through the streaks on the windshield. So you sometimes I start by just hitting the windshield manually once, windshield wipers. And I just go whoosh whoosh and then it's clean. But then you get a gauge of how fast the rain's coming, and you adjust the windshield wipers to that speed. But that's while you're driving. They say you stop at a red light. Now it's complete. Your your windshield is, is um, you're not moving fast anymore, so the rain isn't pounding your windshield at a rate that requires the windshield wipers to be at so high a speed. So you get this the whole time while you're waiting your red light, which is already frustrating. You get this. Because your windshield is dry and your windshield wipers are going. It's even worse when it's raining very hard out and you have your windshield wipers at like this speed. And then you get to a red light and you hear. Wow. It has a, a significant effect on my attitude at the time. So I have to slow the windshield wipers down while I'm sitting at the red light. And I'm like, oh, God, that's better. And then the light changes and I start going and I can't see. So I have to pay attention to the windshield wipers again and turn them back up. And then down again and then up again and then down again and then up again. And I feel like it's just an awful lot of time and attention spent on something that I don't want to think about. I wish I could like do it with my mind, or have it like as an auto, like some kind of auto adjustment mechanism. Whoever invents an auto adjustment mechanism for windshield wipers is going to be rich. What they do have, and this is what I recommend, is they have this um, glass cleaner. It's automatically applied to the place where I get my car washed, but it's like it's I don't know if it's um a wax, but it's something. It's a product. If you look it up that you can put on your on your windows, especially your windshield, that um, doesn't allow water to streak. And so even when you're driving, like when I'm driving even on the highway, I don't have to have the windshield wipers on super fast. And I can go long periods of time without them on, even in a, a pouring rain, because the water runs in beads straight off of the windshield. Or it sits in beads on the windshield, and for some reason, the view that you get through them is not um, obstructing you. It's um, it's actually it doesn't even enter my mind when I'm. Uh, and at moments, I'll realize it, like, oh my god, the windshield wipers aren't even on. Uh, like, how awesome would it be to never have to use your windshield wipers again? And that's called summer. And that's why the winter is just. Sometimes very difficult to deal with in tiny ways that add up. It goes in that family of having to knock snow off your boots. Having to take layers of clothes off when you enter a house. Always being too hot somewhere because you had to wear your jacket. The world becoming extraordinarily small because you can't walk across grass anymore. You just choose not to because it's usually soft and mushy. Anyway. I guess you can tell my feelings about the upcoming summer. Although, in retrospect, this, I mean, upcoming winter, I'm sorry. But in retrospect, this winter, to me, is still the one that bothers me the least. Last one was the one that bothered me the least. And this one bothers me even less. I think it's a good measure of whether or not you're okay with your life. If winter's coming and you don't feel like you're kind of dying too, which I don't. Although the world does definitely get smaller. And I'll swing this all the way back around to windshield wipers just by saying windshield wipers. And now I'll move on. Oh, the other thing is that you have to have your windows closed all winter. On rare occasions, you can open them. Like if someone in your car is smoking. Or if it just gets super, super hot because you need to defrost the windshield. But you can't breathe because it's so stuffy. Other than that, you are hermetically sealed from the world while you're in your car. And it makes me appreciate the uh, heating and air conditioning systems that are in cars to be able to be sealed up like that and still be able to find some semblance of a comfort level. But how about that feeling in the spring when it, that first day when it's like 54 degrees and you can roll your windows down and leave them down while you're driving? That is a feeling. But I had no idea it's going to take that long on that. Um, There's a couple more stupid things that I want to talk about, but I'm going to have to wait until after a break because my mouth is getting wicked dry. So, I will take a quick break and I'll be back after these quick messages. Mm -hmm. Milkman, Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 29. And I have some more stupid stuff. I'm not done. That's how much stupid stuff occurs to me over the course of a week. Even a day, really. But I meant to get to this last time, so I'm going to get to it now. Uh, I mentioned that there are some television commercial campaigns, aside from my pillow and the Capillus hair cap, that I think ought to be phased out. Now, we've gotten to know the the characters in these commercials so well, whether we wanted to or not. And and it, it, it would just be strange if they just disappeared. So remember, these are characters that we're talking about, not people. And I imagine, I imagine the—I uh, think his name is Patrick—for uh, Simply Safe, the guy who wears the black hoodie inside his own house because he just got back from work as a burglar, and he was able to gauge the effectiveness of all the security systems in the area from. From which he stole or chose not to stole steal. <laughs> and apparently uh, simply safe is the best, according to him. But he's sitting there in his own house talking to us. And I gotta imagine it's probably like two or three in the morning. And he's not breaking into people's houses in the middle of the day. So I have this dream fantasy where I can I can rid all, rid us of all the people and end the commercial campaigns. And, and I actually dreamed part of it. but And I don't mean this as any kind of incitement to violence. I'm talking about characters. Characters die all the time, by the way. I imagine him talking to us from his lazy boy downstairs where he normally sits with the stairs behind him. And I imagine him waking up his wife, who creeps down the stairs with the family firearm wondering if someone has broken into her house. And then she sees a man in a black ski mask turn around from the chair. And she shoots at him. But she misses. And she hits Flo from Progressive, who is having an affair with him. And so at first she's like, Oh, no, I shot Flo. But then she's like, What is she doing with my husband anyway? And then... That's when she realizes that it's her husband, but her husband's already spooked, and he goes running out of the house, and he gets trampled by the limo emo. And they collide at such a violent speed that they both go flying into trees, and sadly, tragically, everyone passes away. And they can think of something new. We go back to the caveman. I used to like the progressive caveman. So easy a caveman can do it. Yeah, I think I'd like to see him back. Maybe he could be like the uh, pallbearer at one of their funerals. You could work it in that way. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, I'm sure you're probably sick of those two. Forgive my violent streak. Okay, I came up with a word. This is the best I can do. It's called. Uh, it's a verb, and it's <clears throat> the verb is mascarding. When you mascart means that you forgot your mask in your car, and you have to go back to your car and get it, and on the way. Someone can be like, what are you doing? You didn't even go in. He'd be like, ah, I mascarded," And the guy can be like, oh, my God, I mask all the time. I hate it. Aren't you sick of COVID? Yeah, I can't wait till we don't have to be doing this constant mask guarding. Oh, it's all I do all day. Mask mascard, mask mascard. mask guard, mask guard. Can't wait till we don't have to wear these things into the store. Especially can't wait till I don't have to walk back to my car to get my mask. Oh, hey, did you, do you mean mask guarding? Yeah, I'm at mascarding. This guy and I are talking about it right now. Oh, man, I mascard all the time, too. And now I've made my point. Okay, I'm going to get right to my political stuff. <clears throat> There's so much of it, and I don't really need a break, and I'm kind of anxious to get to it. So, first, I told you in the introduction about Alan Lickman. Alan Lickman is a political scientist who has predicted the winner of every presidential election since 1976 including the last election he predicted that donald trump would beat hillary clinton and i gotta say most people did not see that coming this election he has chosen joe biden this is how he makes his decision he has these factors that either are working against or not working against an incumbent party. So there were a number of these working against Hillary Clinton because she followed Barack Obama and it was a Democrat, it would be a Democrat incumbency. And he has like these 12 factors, and if six or more of them are at play, are, are working against, the incumbent party, he doesn't do it by challenger, he does it by incumbent, Um, then then they've lost. He's predicted it using this formula since 1976, and he's been right every time. Now, how do I feel about it? Well, it scares me a little, because when somebody's right that much, they're probably going to be right again, you'd think. But, I feel like if there would be any time when a person who has consistently followed something and been right, if there was any time for that sort of person's prognostications to suddenly be wrong, it would be in 2020. When you think of all the unexpected twists and turns... that have occurred in this year, I wonder, I ask myself, which would be more surprising for him to continue to be right in his predictions or for him to suddenly be wrong being that it's 2020? I chewed on that for a little while. And then I thought of this. Now, I could just be trying to make myself feel better. I completely grant that. But either way. Also at play is the fact that Donald Trump was such an outsider when he beat Hillary Clinton, when this, when uh, Mr. Lickman's formula worked against Hillary Clinton, against the Democratic incumbency. Um, he was such a challenger, Trump was, that I don't know if he's run out of challenger-ishness yet. It almost feels like the establishment is still democratic. The media is completely democratic. Um, the polls are completely leaning democratic. Um, if you it, People's willingness to go out and say that they're democratic is much, much People are much more willing to do that than they are to go out and say that they're a Republican. So it almost still feels to me like the establishment is still Democratic. The, the, the House majority impeached the president. Um, and it just feels like that to me. And, I, and I'm wondering if if maybe these factors will still be working against the Democrats. And apparently, according to Mr. Lickman, Trump was on his way to being elected because he only had five of them working against him. And I'm not sure which they were. But the other two that made it seven instead of five are the the coronavirus and the resultant negative effects that it had on the economy. So it was like a, a major pandemic, I think was one of them, a major health crisis. And then the other one was um, the economy tanking. But I don't know if people consider the economy tanking the result of Trumponomics. Because we all saw before COVID that the Trumponomics seemed to be working very well. And if, if if you still think that's up for a matter of debate, let me ask you this. Can't you recognize that it's good when the... Black unemployment rate was lower than it's ever been in history. The wealth gap, even if that's what you're concerned about when you discuss the economy with your liberal friends. The closing of the wealth gap, meaning higher wages for for poor, in many cases, people of color, as measured by the black unemployment rate. Not to mention a, a whole bunch of other barometers like the stock market and um, rising wages across the board investment in businesses all of that was going on before the virus when and I think I think people might figure well it'll probably happen after I don't know how many people think honestly outside of who they want to win the presidency I don't think that most people really think that trump wants the everyone to get corona and for people to die from it and he's just and i also don't think most people want the economy to stay shut down if anything would make somebody put aside their feelings about politics in every other way except the economy i would think say they ran a small business i would think they might be able to see through those things or at least put them aside as important as they may be like pro-choice things like that and say to themselves, my business was growing. I want my business to keep on growing. So I, I honestly don't even know if the rationale for the application of Mr. Lickman's formula is still applies. We shall see. We shall see. I am still predicting confidently that Donald Trump will win in a larger margin than most people think. Just because of how it feels in my bones. I didn't feel this confident in 2016. I was actually surprised by it because I don't think I had my antenna up for Trump supporters. At first, I thought they were just odd ducks. Then I saw more of them. And then I saw more of them. And then more people that I know said, hey, I'm for Trump. I was like, shh, let me get your head cut off. Um, yeah, and to this day, I feel like I'm much safer wearing my Black Lives Matter sweatshirt out than I am wearing my Keep America Great sweatshirt. But I have both. How many of you could say that? Okay, now, um, I am going to take a quick break now. Then I'm going to get to my brand new segment, which I'm going to have so much fun with. Mm-hmm. It is called Breaking News for the Pathologically Uninformed. And it's current events for people who have only listened to MSNBC or CNN over the last four years. Or even four weeks. Maybe even four days. And so uh, I have that for, you, for your enjoyment right after this quick break. In the following segment, talking to Frankie who talks a lot, will analyze the NFL quarterback class of 2020 in his own unique way. Happy Halloween, this is talk to Frank who talks a lot. They are amazing this year. They are the best. In, including Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Joe Burrow, Tua Tegoria, Justin Herbert. The noise goes on and on. This is a lot. Here, happy Halloween. Stay safe. Have fun. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode twenty-nine. That message was brought to you by Talking to Frank. You talk a lot. Now, moving on to my new segment. Breaking news for the pathologically uninformed. Current events for people who only listen to MSNBC and/or CNN. Here is this week's list of things you've probably never heard of or heard number one walter wallace jr was carrying a knife in philadelphia walter wallace jr was carrying a knife number two the gross domestic product of the united states increased by 33 percent this quarter number three donald trump has, in fact, condemned white supremacy. Four, Donald Trump is also currently gathering support from the African-American community. And five, a person named Tony Bobolinsky exists in the world. I'll tell you more about him as I tell you more about each of these. Going back to number one. First breaking news for the pathologically uninformed, Walter Wallace Jr. had a knife. In this most recent altercation that made national news, Walter Wallace was unfortunately killed by police officers who were called to the scene of his baby's mother's house, I believe, or maybe his mother's house. But the two of them, his baby's mother and his mother, uh, both called him. His mother currently had a restraining order against him. And he was obviously acting crazy. So they called the police. And the police showed up. And the police at first were actually kind of moving away from him while he had the knife. And then he moved at the police officers, at which time they shot him. Um, also related to this that you might not know is that it is generally not, in fact, exclusively not taught to police to shoot to wound. And, and the biggest reasons for that are if they try to aim in a particular place and miss, they might hit someone innocent. Bolts might ricochet off the ground if they shoot at a leg and it might hit somebody innocent or go into a house. Another reason is that the person might continue advancing on them, being injured but not stopped. And so Center Mass is actually the safest place, both for the cop and for everyone else around. Unfortunately, it's not very safe for the person who's approaching the police with a knife. And just a little bit of background I got from my friend, Officer Brandon Tatum, who I really recommend, too. He's another podcast I listen to, Officer Brandon Tatum. Um, and he used to be a police officer himself in Tucson, Arizona, and he is an African American man. And he informed me of some things I did not know, even though I listened to outlets other than MSNBC and CNN. And they are this: Walter Wallace Jr. has had thirteen mugshots taken. Thirteen mugshots taken. Yet the press showed a picture of his of his middle school yearbook picture. When we were introduced to who he is, there's a picture of him. It has to be from middle school. He's wearing a bow tie, and he's looking very respectful. I'm not suggesting that at that time he wasn't, but 13 mugshots. He has over a dozen violent crime charges and or weapons charges, including punching a cop in the face and wielding knives at people, cutting them, He punched his own mother in the face this is all fact this is all on the record i'm not i'm not slandering anyone this is true as true as the fact that he was tragically killed he has nine children walter wallace jr by different women so what you what you heard those of you who are pathologically uninformed, you heard mention of on the news outlets that you receive your news from. You heard that he was a black man. You did not hear any mention of him advancing with a knife. I'm sure um, there was mentions of the of the heated protests that occurred as the result of his killing. Uh, you probably didn't hear much about the looting of a Walmart by about a thousand people following the incident. I'm sure you heard mention of of Walter Wallace Jr's mental illness but I bet you didn't hear that much about how his own mother called the police and that is why they originally arrived. it was reported at that time that there was an assault taking place so Walter Wallace Jr. was more than just the uh, MSN or I'm sorry the CNN headline no the NBC the NBC headline was Walter Wallace, black man shot dead by police in Philadelphia, sparking heated protests. So now you know know a little bit more about that. The second piece of information that you probably never heard was that the gross domestic product, the GDP, increased 33% despite COVID lockdowns in major metropolitan areas like New York and places in California, Chicago and despite the fact that much commerce is still either slowed or shut down completely still the economy boomed you want to know how significant 33 percent is it is the greatest single gdp jump in american history since they've been measuring gdp 33 percent is the highest increase so far in american history so if you're wondering whether or not you think Donald Trump should be the person stewarding the economy through this terrible terrible virus that might help inform you 3 Donald Trump has in fact condemned white supremacy in fact I watched the video of it each an original case of him condemning white supremacy and there are 39 39 instances that someone wove together in a YouTube video. I highly recommend you look it up. Because by the time you get to the 39th one, moving on in your life, I doubt that you'll still be citing the fact that he has not condemned white supremacy as an argument that you're making to anyone else. Or that you're inside of an echo chamber with your liberal friends, repeating it to each other, taking pleasure in the fact that you believe it's true. 39 times. Another um, example of this is the the Charlottesville example that people constantly cite about how Trump said that there were fine people on both sides. I don't know if you know yet, but that video, audio, was edited to leave out the part right in the middle where Trump explicitly condemned the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists. It was cut out of the video that you watched on MSNBC or CNN. So this may be the first time you're even hearing it. What you saw was intentionally misleading. Now, if that's already what you want to believe, well, then you're in the right place. But if you want to at least add what actually happened into your paradigm before you make your decisions, that's something that you ought to include. But you probably won't. Four, Donald Trump has recently gotten the surge of African-American support in a number of places. It has been reflected not only in the polls from those who have voted already, um, I, I'm sorry, exit polls from those who have voted early and from general polls. And that is a a, a reason for panic right now for the Democrats. And I, I believe that's why Barack Obama accompanied Joe Biden to, uh, to South Florida uh, at the most recent rally that they had. I think it might have been yesterday. Um, as you might know, what? Nope, you probably don't know. 50 Cent, Ice Cube, Little Wayne, and another rapper. I can't think of his name, but he's a little easy. Uh, all it, Well, Ice Cube said good things about Trump's economic plan and how he doesn't want confiscatory taxes because he himself is an entrepreneur. But the other three came right out and endorsed Donald Trump. I think 50 Cent might have taken it back because that crazy actress that he was dating said she would get back together with him. Or I don't know how much of that ends up being gossip, but I think he might might have wavered a little bit. But originally he came right out and said, I, I want to be 50 Cent, not 20 Cent. And uh, they've each cited the, the Donald Trump's platinum plan to revitalize economic growth opportunities in predominantly black communities. ...as the major reason why they're supporting him. Lil Wayne actually tweeted a picture that he had taken with Donald Trump... um, ...in the White House. You probably didn't know that. Now, you have to make a decision. Could it be that Trump is actually not racist? Or do you have to think less of those particular rappers... I feel like it can only be one or the other. Either Trump might not be racist, or those rappers are sellouts. I'm putting the question to you now, if you're even listening to this, which I hope you are. And finally, and largest thing you've probably never heard of is the existence of Tony Bobolinski. It is a funny name Tony Bobolinski. But like any funny name, it starts to sound normal when you hear it a bunch of times. And say it in conversation, discussion. Hey, did you hear about Tony Bobulinski? Tony Bobulinski said that, I wonder how credible Tony Bobulinski is. Are they doing anything with the information provided by Tony Bobulinski? And then before you know it, Tony Bobulinski is something that rolls off your tongue. But I'm sure it doesn't roll off your tongue. It would have to have entered your brain first. I doubt you saw it on MSNBC or CNN, especially when it's related to something important or relevant to something serious. You will remember that name and it won't sound funny, but I bet it does still sound funny to you because it hasn't been said even once, as that I can tell, by a single news outlet besides Fox, except to say the Tony Bobulinski story has been debunked. The Tony Bobulinski story has been discredited. Now ask yourself honestly, is that really because Fox is so in the tank for Trump that they've said it and covered it um, thoroughly and exclusively? Or is it because NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC are in the tank for Biden? Ask yourself honestly, if these were Trump's children who were doing business with the Chinese I mean i can't even believe i'm saying that could you imagine if donald trump if donald trump jr was doing lucrative business deals with what i believe everyone agrees is is one of our if not our greatest geopolitical foe wondering what influence they might be able to be gaining i mean they impeached trump because he asked for a favor from the ukrainian president and what he really meant was the united states but even if he meant himself Hey, could you do something for me? I'm building some uh, hotels in Ukraine, and I wonder if you could grease the gears for me. Even if it was that bad, how is it lucrative financial deals with China not worthy of news? I think you know the answer. And it just this story. You know, here's another reason why this story seems like it should. If 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 justice is blind right? If the news is just the truth, however it ends up leading us, then this story should be true for this reason as well. I don't know if you remember, I know sometimes liberals have trouble comparing something that's happening now to something that happened in the past, or something that's being said now to something that's being said in the past, but I don't know if you remember this name, Alex Vindman. I bet you probably have a better chance at remembering that. It was also said numerous times on Fox, But it was said just as numerous, that's not a very good way of putting it, just as much (laughs) on NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC. In fact, he was almost heralded, in fact, he was actually called a hero, a patriot, a hero, a credible source, a person who was only trying to do right, we do right here, I think he said. Well, he was a, I'm not sure which branch of the military, but he was a, a military officer who testified against Donald Trump at his impeachment hearings. Supposedly having some kind of information regarding the phone call that Donald Trump made to the Ukrainian president. Now, there, it, no, it, Donald Trump himself released the entire conversation, so it wasn't like there was something else that we wanted to know um, that Trump said to him. But apparently, Vinman felt a certain way about the conversation. Now, Tony Bobolinsky actually has information you probably haven't heard. Never seen it before where, where a news outlet won't cover something because it hasn't already been proven. Now, that investigative journalism meant finding out if it's true. And in Alex Vindman's testimony, he was called a bombshell, literally, quote, unquote, a bombshell on every one of those networks, multiple times. And what he said certainly wasn't proven. So I think I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, um, but I guess at least my listeners have the satisfaction of knowing that I feel your pain. And I also still, on purpose, I watch MSNBC. In fact, the greatest day in the world ever to watch MSNBC is the day after a Republican election victory. I wasn't even that big of a Trump fan in 2016. But I I just, I knew how much I disliked MSNBC. Morning, Joe. Mika Brzezinski, who, by the way, I, I know she comes from wealth. Her father was a secretary's... Secretary of State, maybe Secretary of Defense, uh, but he had a high level position in I forget whose White House, maybe Jimmy Carter, which would explain her liberalism. But honestly, I swear, it's a she can't hold a candle even to 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 Joe uh, Scarborough, who did a major turn. I don't know how he used to have a show on. Might have been on MSNBC back when they actually had conservative viewpoints and he had a show called scarborough country might have been on fox but anyway he totally flipped but she just doesn't appear to even have you know what i mean a a single utensil on her plate you know what i mean she's got one oar in the water she's going in circles oh that felt good i'm gonna take a quick break uh, I know I sent you, if there actually are any of you MSNBC, CNN, uh, pathologically uninformed listeners, I know I probably sent you into InfoShock because you had to absorb so much actual information at once. Um, and as your body tries to process that, I'm going to take a quick break. But when I get back, I'm going I'm to give you some comfort news just for you, just for my pathologically uninformed MSNBC and CNN listeners. And I will have that for you right after this break. Hi, this is a great podcast. Everybody should listen to it. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World. That message was brought to you by Hayden, a man in a boy's body. Now, I know that I put you probably into InfoShock. So let me tell you how MSNBC, pretty much this is pretty much how they covered an event that occurred recently. You tell me if you don't see what the actual story is hidden in there. This is a good example of how MSNBC covered an event, and this is probably what you got. Dun, dun, dun! It is 6 p.m. in the primarily coastal, urban, academic, and liberal elite sections of the country, and this is the anti-Trump news. Tens of thousands of people waited outside because there was not enough busing to transport them out of a Trump rally in Omaha. Omaha. Seven people were recorded going to the hospital, elevated body temperature. Enormous crowds could be seen standing in the snow, and it took hours to eventually transport all of those people out of the immediate area of the Trump rally and back home. Now, what's the story? At MSNBC, the story is they did not have adequate transportation and Trump callously allowed people to be out in the cold. People who had decided to go there. See where I'm going with this? Tens of thousands of people arrived at a place to see Trump, support Trump. He wasn't in a parking lot with people honking their horns. He was actually at a place where tens of thousands of people showed up. They were not all allowed to be in, but tens of thousands of them were. And on their way out, they had to wait because, probably true, there wasn't adequate busing for them. It probably was not organized as well as it should have been. But is that really the story? Seven people went to the hospital with, or, or reported to go to the hospital with, with fevers? back to covid swings it back around to covid the story obviously isn't that tens of thousands of people showed up for a trump rally or that trump is garnering great support at his rallies no you wouldn't you wouldn't hear that that would not be that would be a, a sleight of hand slide in that they would put into the story they would they would report all around it the story is sitting right there in the middle and it has to be because you don't want to see the story it has to be. And, and they, they have to dig so hard to find something bad. Or they just try to find something bad in everything that, that reflects negatively on Trump. That they decided to even take the risk of including the fact that there were a huge crowd there. So, I hope that helped a little bit. Now, I wanted to get on to this. The Electoral College. Why do we need the Electoral College? Okay, I'm going to give you the short answer first. It's because we are the United States of America. We are a bunch of states that decided to unite around a constitution. Some states would likely not have joined the United States. And would now, you arguably, would have no obligation to remain states in this union were it not for the United States Constitution, which includes mechanisms that are what you could call countermeasures to the simple majority. Anti-majoritarian mechanisms is the way I've heard it described, including the Electoral College, which prevents the tyranny of the majority or mob rule, Another mechanism that does this is the United States Senate. Two senators to each state, no matter how large they are. No matter their population. Two per. This allows states that don't have high populations to have adequate interest reflected in politics. The decisions that are made by the United States. It's one of the agreements that was made with these states when the Constitution was originally written. Otherwise, they knew they would not be able to keep the states together. And they needed all of them. There were states that were highly agricultural, that the rest of the country depended on. But they didn't have the population that, that industrial centers had. And two centers. I wonder, I, I have asked myself this. Do you think Chuck Schumer, senator from New York, do you think Chuck Schumer would like it if we just started diluting the Senate with more and more and more senators? So his significance fell from one of two in an entire state to, I don't know, one of a hundred. One of 500 being how big New York is. I think that the amount of influence and power that he would garner if the Senate was diluted by population, I honestly can't really see him standing up for that. I think he probably prefers it the way it is, where he's extremely important. Honestly, how, how hypocritical is it for a senator who, whose interest is served in the very kind of mechanism that he would seek to eliminate from the Constitution in, the, in, in, the, uh, in terms of the, elector, the Electoral College? Same thing. Both of them are anti-majoritarian measures. You cannot simply go by majority. Majority in and of itself, pure democracy in and of itself always leads to tyranny. Because there's no moral compass. And I always use the same example. Imagine three people in an elevator, two men and one woman. The two men could vote democratically to do whatever they wanted to the woman. But that wouldn't be right. The majority is not always right. So they had to blend that power into the into the country, into the Constitution, in a way that would put a check on the majority. I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, listening to it, I myself learned something. But that is why we need the Electoral College. Even though if someone loses the the, uh, Electoral College but wins the popular vote, they're going to scream and holler. Democrats right now are talking about trying to get rid of the electoral college because they know that urban centers where they get the majority of their votes would usurp the power of the electoral college and they would be there would be a permanent democratic majority and i i argue that part of the problem with that is the particular centers in, in which they garner most of their votes and i don't mean to offend anybody here but there if the united states has a welfare state Right, sections of largely unproductive people who depend on the government, it is in city centers. There's plenty in the country too. But it seems that the promise made election after election by Democrats is that they will help those people. And help appears to be a deal they make where they say, please continue to vote for us and we'll continue to increase your benefits. I know it sounds callous, but it's, it's sitting right there for anyone to see. That's why the majority all by itself is not a good idea. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, I'm going to talk about the Supreme Court, another constitutional issue. I'm probably boring some of you right right away, but it's Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2 of the United States, which is the Appointments Clause. And that is how we get our Supreme Court justices nominated and confirmed. And in particular, the case of Amy Coney Barrett, which I will talk about. And in this whole business of should or shouldn't there be a confirmation of a justice during an election here. I'm going to give you a few facts on that for those uh, those uh, members of the audience who are pathologically uninformed. You might get some more information. on I don't want to put you into shock, though. Maybe you should tune out for a little while. Maybe come back later on and play this part. This might just be too much actual information. And with that, I'll be back after this message. Mm-hmm. Welcome back again to Sam Walking in the World, episode 29. That message was brought to you by a friend and partner, the Milkman. Now, the Supreme Court. I hope I didn't burn out you uh, MSNBC CNN folks. So you might not want to listen to this one. You might want to just go, I don't know, suck on your pacifier. And come back to this one later on when you can absorb more actual information. But, Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution, also known as the Appointments Clause. It empowers the President to nominate and for the Senate to confirm nominees to the Supreme Court. Also to appoint public officials of all kinds. Mainly, in this case, the the justices of the Supreme Court. Now the right now the the major argument that I hear from the left is is that the supreme that is that the Senate the Republican Senate refused to confirm Merritt Garland. So a few years back, I don't know, five years ago, um, President Barack Obama nominated Merritt Garland. Judge Merrick Garland, to the Supreme Court, and the Senate refused to confirm him. So the Mitch McConnell-led Republican Senate refused, in an election year, refused to confirm Merrick Garland, a justice nominated by Barack Obama of the opposite party, obviously. They acted like that was unheard of. How could you not do this? How could you not confirm him? And, and Mitch McConnell said, well, in an election year, typically the opposite party does not confirm a presidential, I mean, a, a, a Democrat nominated candidate to the Supreme Court. And but but it, if you watched MSNBC and CNN, you think it happened all the time. That all the time, a, a Democrat or Republican would nominate and the opposite party would confirm in an election year. Here's the fact. It was. It has been twenty-eight. I'm sorry, a hundred and twenty-eight years. One hundred and twenty-eight years since the Supreme Court justice was nominated and confirmed in a presidential election year, while the president's opposing party controlled the Senate. It was 1888. President Grover Cleveland nominated Justice Melville Fuller, and the opposite party confirmed. You have to go back to 1888 to find an instance where an opposite party confirmed a nominee to the Supreme Court during an election. So it was not all that unheard of. In fact, it was incredibly common when the Republicans did not confirm Merrick Garland. Now, how about when the the president's own party has control of the Senate? How often does a nominee get confirmed? under those circumstances? And the answer is 56% of the time. 46% of the time during an election year, when the part when the White House and the Senate were controlled by the same party, 46% of the time, I mean, uh, 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 opposite parties. No, no, I'm sorry, same party. Only 46% of the time has there not been a confirmation. In an election year. So Democrat president. Democrat senate. It's an election year. Only 46% of the time. Now I know that's close to half. But to suggest that it's a crime. To confirm a supreme court justice. Nominated by your own party. In an election year. When it actually has happened. Throughout history. 56% of the time. You probably wouldn't know that. It is not uncommon. In fact. By strict definition, it is more common for a Republican Senate to confirm a Supreme Court nominee nominated by a Republican president. So I don't understand. I mean, the the only thing that I can see that's beneath it is they don't want a conservative nominated. And so now we're talking about packing the court. Which Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one one of her last statements that she made, besides the alleged statement about how she didn't want her seat filled by Donald Trump. She also said it would be wrong. You know who else said it would be wrong to pack the Supreme Court? Joe Biden. In 1983, he said it would be boneheaded. Apparently, he's grown a lot more bone in his head between then and now. must be all bone. Looks like it has grown, too. Anyway, I don't want to get personal. So, Barrett gets confirmed and the Dems lose it. Totally lose it. Because they don't know how to lose. Without breaking the game, they don't know how to lose. In my opinion. So, Barrett's official confirmation to the Supreme Court occurred at 8.30. Last, I say last Monday or the Monday before that. Recently. 8.30 p.m. it happened. Prime time. MSNBC didn't even mention it. Her official swear, the, the vote to confirm her, and then later the swearing in, neither one was even mentioned. Not that it was covered, but covered negatively, or covered, but there were counterpoints provided. It wasn't even covered. I would think that's a pretty significant accomplishment for a woman to be touted by feminists. There's an example of the great heights women can achieve. But nope, Nope. Apparently that's reserved for Democrat women and Democrat men. I mean, apparently Democrat men are better feminists than conservative women. It seems very weird to me. But in this day and age where you can uh, name your own gender, I guess, if you work that in, then... Boy, I'm not even sure what feminism means if you can pick your own gender. I- I'm a woman. Like, like, for the next, I don't know, let's say five seconds, I'm going to be a woman. Starting now. I'm a woman right now. Right now, I'm a woman. And done. Now I'm a man again. I can do it again if you want. You can do whatever I want. Biologically, I don't change. Don't get me wrong. It's kind of ridiculous. I'm sorry. Because because if, if, if that's possible, then there's a dragon in my garage. If you go back to the right episode, you'll find that. I think it's about argument episode that has argument in the title but I won't rehash so all 48 Democrat Senators voted no on Amy Coney Barrett all 48 refusing to confirm a woman That if it was a Republican that's what would be said refused to to to, to nominate a woman I mean to confirm a woman said ugh uh, so you, you honestly you tell me what is it, what is feminism more about female solidarity or political ideology? If you consider yourself a feminist out there, I urge you to ask yourself. And so <clears throat> Biden's answer to all this is 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 the gr- the greatest double speak you could possibly imagine and I think he thinks it fools us. I don't know how it could convince it could convince anyone that doesn't already agree with him, and any political means necessary to create the outcomes that they want, constitutional or otherwise. But Biden signals that he will form a bipartisan commission to study possible remedies to this unbalanced court. Of course, it's unbalanced. There's more conservatives. Must be balanced when conservatives have an advantage, but when when liberals have an advantage, it is. I guess all right, that's it's not balanced. It appears that way. But he wants to form a bipartisan commission to study possible remedies. I wonder if packing the court is one of those remedies. I just wonder. He won't come out and say it. But when asked, he says we will, the committee will study. No, he was asked directly by, by a reporter, probably from Fox. He was asked, will the committee study packing the court? Biden answers, I'm saying they will look into much more than that. Now, this is a rhetorical strategy. Sophistry, really. Someone has asked, will you be considering X? And the other person says, we'll be considering a- a- X, Y, Z. Even more. As though the fact that X is included in the larger list of things you're going to be considering, somehow it loses its significance because there's other stuff. It's like rhetorical sleight of hand that's really bad. Like when someone does a trick in front of you and you go, it's in your pocket, man. I saw you put it in your pocket. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Will you study packing the court? I'm saying we're going to study much more than that. I, I, I deign to think about what else there is, if that's included in this package of good things you're going to do. But we can surmise that much more. Means packing the court and other things. Well, let's just stop the sentence right there. Packing the court and other stop packing the court. Really is it's a, it's a the most dishonest way of saying yes without having to actually say yes. And he has had to do that in just about on just about every topic on Hunter Biden, on fracking, on taxes. Crazy. Every time he speaks in public, he has to find a, a, another way to signal to his base that he'll pack the court, or or have not have fracking or whatever it is, without coming out and saying it outright because he has to make sure he fools all the people that want the no answer. You know, it, it makes me think of all the times Joe Biden has has accused Donald Trump of dog whistling. Dog whistling is when you you tell your racist friends something in language that only they understand. You use code words or you you say it in a way that makes all of your racist friends go, Ah, I see that wink. Uh-huh, I understand. You have to say uh, things that aren't racist out loud because how objectionable other people would find it. But we understand what you mean. How many times Biden has accused Trump of doing that? You can't count on one hand the number of times Biden has had to signal to his base that he's going to do something while coming outright saying, no, 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 no. I mean, it's right there as though as though recording devices don't exist. He looked right in that one boy's face and said, I promise you, I guarantee you there will be no fracking. And then he said to another group of people, "I never said that. I said there wouldn't be any fracking. I, I said that it would be is it would be stages, it would be, be phased that fit ph- up. So, Where's my pudding? It's plain as day. And don't get me wrong. I watch MSNBC. That's almost like what gets me fired up to to think of these things that my opinions center around." I'll watch it and go, wow. Wow, honestly. So I will continue to do this as the weeks go by. I'll continue providing information that I'm sure you've never heard of before. And uh, maybe, it will, maybe it will draw you a little bit closer to the good side of the force. And so anyway, the last thing I want to say was packing the Supreme Court would change the structure of the Constitution. That is why it's wrong. The Constitution is what protects us from the government. Think about that. When they forged the document, they made it because it, we needed protection from the government. The Constitution isn't the government. It should not be up to the government to change it without following the mechanisms allowed for in the Constitution itself. And that is what I think about that. Thank you for listening, as always. I know I probably got pretty annoying there, but I was pretty annoyed. Uh, But I, of course, and always, thank you for letting me get it out. I will now maybe go get a massage or something. Until next week, this is Sam walking in the world. Hey, this is a man stuck in a boy's body. This podcast is good and unbiased. Um. Remember to look at both sides when you vote. That's all I have to say for today. Everybody have a great day.